0: Welcome to the Untangling Life Podcast with Rachel Wojo. I'm Rachel, and this podcast is where you'll find the space to clear your head and calm your heart. Make yourself at home. Well, hello there and welcome. I'm Rachel, and I'm so glad you are here. Whether it is your first time listening or you've been around a while, I'm happy to have you. This podcast is a place to discover clarity and calm in the chaos of life, and my goal is for you to leave with precisely that. Like all of the Untangling Life podcast episodes, today we are tackling another tough topic, Christian Space in fact, the entire world faces. This topic's prevalent among people of all ages and stages of life. It's a question we grapple with on an everyday basis as well as a seasonal basis. The big question is, why does God allow suffering? Some might word this question, how can an allowing God also be a loving God? If you're listening to me right now, I'm guessing you already know Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When God first created the world, there was no suffering. The earth and everything in it was perfect. Imagine that. Humans were perfect. Each thing God made held no error. But then Satan deceived Adam and Eve, and when they chose to disobey God in the garden, the beginning of suffering was born. Human hearts are now born with sin implanted. And God clearly outlined to Adam and Eve there would be consequences to face because of sin. Suffering is part of those consequences. But children are innocent. Why should they suffer? If this is your first time listening in, I need to preface this discussion by saying that I've seen suffering up close and personal. I struggle to find the words to explain what it is like to watch your child suffer and die. Our precious Taylor was diagnosed with a rare metabolic disorder at the age of four. She lived a very slow neurological decline as skill after skill was stolen from her. Our family watched her mind and body shut down as she gradually died cell by cell for 22 years until the last four days of her life when we watched her gasp for breath. She did not do anything to deserve this suffering. She was born into it. Children do not suffer as a result of anything they've done. They suffer as a result of sin in the world, but their suffering serves a bigger purpose. From the very beginning, God had a special plan for the world. And though Satan thwarted the original plan, God continues to write the personal story of each and every single person on earth. There are parts of the story where he gives us the privilege of making choices, and there are parts of the story that totally belong to him. Taylor's disease was not a choice she made, certainly not a choice I would have made at the beginning of our journey. But the same God who loves us so much to send his son to die on the cross and be our sin substitute also wrote her story. Oh, we only see certain parts of the story, some of them not so pretty. The frayed edges of this life storyline evolves quite terribly in our way of thinking, We think that God allowing her to suffer makes him a horrible author, but it's only because we can't see the full story, the one she couldn't speak on this earth but will fully describe in heaven. We want God to throw the manuscript out and rewrite to suit our tastes, and that's one of the reasons God allows heartache and grief. His plan is far larger than our minds can comprehend. We are only seeing glimpses of life on this planet, and His plan is eternal. There's no way for our finite minds to wrap around that span of time. It is simply incomprehensible. 1 Peter 5.10 says it this way, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And Romans 8:18 says, "Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later." When Jesus encountered the man who had been blind since birth, the disciples asked him, "Who sinned that this man was born blind? This man or his parents?" Jesus answered that it was neither. Sin was not what had caused the blindness. There was a greater purpose. In John 9, 3, he says it was so the works of God could be shown through him. If you're struggling with the question of why, go back and listen to the Untangling Life podcast episode number 2, Why God Why? Because I believe it will bring you clarity and comfort. But another of the reasons God allows heartache and grief, though he loves us beyond measure, is because he is inviting us into the most intimate relationship with him. I know, I know, it doesn't appear as a grand and glorious invitation. Suffering isn't wrapped with beautiful paper and tied with a gorgeous bow on top. It doesn't taste like dark chocolate or salty caramel ice cream. And aren't those things so much more appealing? In November 2018, I began writing letters to my daughter Taylor as I sat by her bed. She could no longer speak and was barely able to respond with any emotion. Writing letters seemed one way I could continue communicating with her on some level. I wanted to take a few moments to share this particular letter on suffering with you. My sweet girl, what a week you had last week. On Sunday evening, the dark circles around your eyes caused them to sink. I knew something was wrong, but wouldn't have guessed that you were nauseous. When you began throwing up, your entire body heaving, I could hardly bear it. I would do anything to take your place. How difficult it must be for you to be a prisoner within your own body. Not only does your body not function properly, but its command center malfunctions as well. And yet there is no way for you to comprehend it all. After the retching finally stopped and you fell asleep, the next day your pale cheeks starkly contrasted the blue bed sheet. I stared at your chest for some time, focusing on its rise as reassurance, that God still has you here. Agony overwhelmed my body, and I sat there weeping, but only for a few minutes, because the mounds of laundry to do from the horror of the night before awaited me. It seems that never ending physical tasks provide a temporary relief to the sorrow. A day later, you pressed your bony hand to your forehead, signaling pain, and I suspected seizures on the horizon. Sure enough, two grand mal seizures, one Thursday and one Friday, rendering you unable to hold up your head. Oh, Taylor, I am so sorry that life is this hard for you. I don't understand God's plan at all in physical suffering. It leaves me deeply aching in my soul for your sake. I wish I could be the bearer of your pain and sorrow. But I must tell you what happened over the weekend. After Miss Regina came to care for you on Sunday morning... Daddy and the kids and I passed the cemetery on the way to church. Last year, when you grew so much sicker, I had purchased a resting place for your body. When God calls you home to heaven, we'll need a place to bury your body here on earth. Just before we passed the cemetery, I couldn't remember if all your siblings had seen the place we'd chosen for this purpose. As if Daddy read my mind, he said, Honey, have all the kids visited Taylor's burial plot? Quietly, I replied, No, but they need to. No further words were spoken, but Daddy and I know each other so well that we silently agreed we should stop on the way home from church. It was a special Sunday, but I didn't foresee all that God had in store for us. Through a series of circumstances, we'd chosen to go to church with Zach and Tiff instead of our church, and that's the reason we were driving past the cemetery to begin with. It's not the usual route for us on Sunday mornings. Once we settled into the auditorium seats and worshiped, The pastor introduced a guest speaker. I'll admit I was a little disappointed initially. I love hearing the usual pastor and listen to him throughout the week. The monthly sermon series was introduced as God with us. It seemed very normal for the first Sunday in the month of December. However, the pastor asked an important question. How do we know God is with us when things are hard? My heart sensed a shift. The speaker told the story of an extremely difficult time in his life when he asked God the same question I've asked repeatedly. Why? And especially, why suffering? Now remember, this man doesn't know our family at all. He doesn't know the week we just experienced with your suffering. He has no idea of the vomit, the headaches, the pain, the tears. But God supernaturally orchestrates our lives, and it became clear very... Very quickly, that our family was divinely appointed to be present in this high school auditorium, attending a church we don't normally go to, to listen to a man we've never met who sounds as if he knows every detail of our week. He talked about mountaintop moments and how we feel like God is with us when we're on the mountaintop, but when we reach the valleys of life, we question whether God is truly with us. When Jesus was on the cross, he expressed his deepest moment of suffering through the question, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus gave us permission to ask God where he is and to ask him why. I think God is okay with us asking him why. I know he doesn't always give us the answers, and I know we don't always understand, but I have no doubts that God is with us. Oh, girlie, I just don't know how we could walk this valley of suffering if God wasn't with us each step of the way. I couldn't even listen to the Sunday sermon if I wasn't a 100% sure that God loves our entire family so very much, and he planted us right there in that row to hear a special message about what to do when you are walking through suffering. The pastor shared several stories of events that had happened in his own life, paralleling much of what our family has gone through. Heartache, death, loss, disease, and the list continues. Suffering of all kinds permeates the world, and we find ourselves often asking God, Why have you left us? But He has not left us. He is right here with us and will never leave us. He is with you, Taylor. I carried away three points from the message on what to do while suffering. I can learn obedience to God in the suffering. I can love others through the suffering. I can worship God amid suffering. Girl, I feel like re-preaching this sermon to myself every day of the week. His words are on repeat in my mind. After we left the church, Daddy pulled into the cemetery and we paused by your body's future resting place. I don't remember my exact words to your brothers and sisters, but I brokenly tried to explain that one day your body would lie beneath the ground in this spot. And although your body would rest here, the real you, your soul and spirit, would rest with Jesus in heaven. That you would have a new body. No more headaches. No more vomiting. No more seizures. No more suffering. In that new body moment, you will have a new mind and you will understand like you've never understood before. And one day, so will we. While I'm feeling ready for your suffering to end It's as if God sent us a personal, intimate message on Sunday that said, I see you, my children. Suffering is temporary. I am with you. I will walk with you through this valley. And when you think you can't take another step, I will carry you, each of you. He's got us. He's got the whole world in his hands. And you, you are right in the palm of it. God with us. I hope you rest tonight. I love you. Your mommy. You see, one of the reasons I believe God allows heartache and grief is not only because He's inviting us into intimacy with Him, but inside that intimacy is where we discover the depth of the benefits of knowing Him. As Corey Timboom says, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. I've been reading a book by Dee Breston. She's a new-to-me author who's been writing Christian nonfiction books for years. But this is the first of hers I read, and it's entitled, The Jesus Who Surprises, Opening Our Eyes to His Presence in All of Life and Scripture. I can feel authenticity dripping from the pages, and rightfully so. Dee experienced the loss of her husband to cancer in his 50s. Chapter 8 is labeled, The Surprising Fruit of Suffering, and I want to read a little excerpt to you. This excerpt is entitled, The Lord is My Chosen Portion and My Cup. When David's world is shaken, he sees and holds to the truth that can sustain us as well. In Psalm 16, he also says, The Lord is my portion and my cup, you hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Verses five and six. The word cup often refers to suffering as when Jesus prays in Gethsemane, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Matthew twenty six thirty nine. When we realize that God is in control, a peace comes to us despite the suffering. We realize that this shaking is temporary and that we have an inheritance that can never be taken from us. When the Lord gave portions of land to the people of Israel, the priests were given no land. For the Lord told them, I am your portion and your inheritance. Is it possible to have everything taken from you and still have joy? Yes, I see it in prison. And Charles Spurgeon writes, martyrs have been happy in dungeons. From where does this joy come? It comes from the Lord himself who fills us. Again, this is where Christianity differs from other religions. Other religions give you teachings, but no life-giving power. It comes from the Lord himself who fills us. Again, this is where Christianity differs from the other religions. Other religions give you teachings, but no life-giving power. But as Paul tells the Athenians... Who are worshiping an unknown God, there is a revealed God who rose from the dead, and in him we live and move and have our being. Our God lives, sees, and comes to us with comfort and even joy, a joy that indeed surprises us, like the sun breaking through the fiercest storm. Indeed, the storms are fierce, though the presence of God is so very real. I never want to forget what it was like in Taylor's bedroom as she breathed her last breaths, and the peace of God hovered so near. It was as if I felt a bridge extending into her room from earth to heaven. In a way that I can't fully explain, I could sense God to be in the room closer than I've ever experienced. I believe at birth and at death we experience heaven's scent in a way I can't articulate. I never want to lose the ability to know and experience God is near. There is no suffering so great that it is a barrier to God's presence. And in fact, the deeper the suffering, the deeper the comfort of God reaches into our souls. Second Corinthians 1, to 3-5 reads this way, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. I wanted to close with a prayer from Desperate for God our August Bible reading plan and journal. This is from day five, a prayer when you have no words. The children of Israel were suffering so greatly. And it says they cried out to God. We don't know what their cry sounded like, but I'm imagining it was something like this. Lord, I am having trouble forming the words in the midst of this suffering. I know that you are near and I need your help. And I need it now. The enemy seems to be winning. The oppression has gone on for so long. I don't know what to do, Father. Help me. I am crying out to you. You're the only one who can understand why I cry. Help me remember that even when I can't see your work, you are still working. In a nutshell, in suffering lies the greatest opportunity to experience the depth of God's comfort and peace. And that, my friends, is today's thread of hope. Each episode of Untangling Life concludes with a segment called On My Desk. This week on my desk, I have the resources I've mentioned in this podcast. You'll find them in the show notes. First on the list, The Jesus Who Surprises by Dee Preston. Almost finished with this book, and it's an incredible resource. Just love it. Secondly, Desperate for God, 31 Prayers of Men and Women in the Bible. This journal is the resource for the August Bible Reading Challenge which will begin August 1st. You can purchase the digital download to print at home or mark up using your device. This journal is also available in paperback version. Go to rachelwojo.com/shop or the desperate for god Bible Reading Challenge details on the blog at rachelwojo.com. Also on my desk this week though not mentioned in this podcast Karen Eamon's brand new release, When Making Others Happy, is Making You Miserable. This book is about how to break the habit of people-pleasing. And as always, my very favorite large print purple leather bound NIV Bible. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day. God bless.